word of God says, um, it says the just shall live by faith. And I don't, I don't blame people for, for um, having the mindset that no, faith does not work because there has been so much abuse on the subject of faith, whereby people have used it as a means to an end rather than a means to a relationship. They have named it and claimed it and have not lived it. As I've already said, the just shall live by faith. Implying that faith is very important. It is an important part of every believer. Every believer, every believer should walk and live by faith. Amen. All of us ought to walk and live by faith. So much so, the Bible says, without it, it is impossible to please God. It will be like you trying to live without breathing. Try surviving a day without breathing and see what, will, what the outcome would be. All of us would be gathered here in, me in memory of you. And so Christians live their lives without, some Christians think they can live their lives without faith. Jesus Christ um, shows us how critical faith is. He shows us how important faith is. The scripture will come up as Jomo gets back, but if you, if you have your Bibles, just turn there. In Luke 18 verse 8, it says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? It shows how important faith and how important Jesus, uh, how Jesus views faith. He's asking a simple question. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? It would be like me saying to you, I am going on a journey. And as I go on, to, uh, as I, uh, go on this journey, will I find the house clean? How many, how many of us would agree, if I asked that question, cleaning the house would be your top priority? Priority. But also, how many of us would agree that it's, it, it's also an indication or a reflection of who you may be as an individual? If you have never met the person that I'm saying to, listen, clean, uh, will I find the house clean? and you have never seen that person, you would, and you would not be wrong to assume that individual is either clumsy, they're messy, they're lazy, and they never contribute in cleaning the house. Are we together? And so when Jesus Christ says, when I come, will I find faith? He is putting the responsibility on you, and he's telling us the nature of the church the nature and the condition of the church that he might find when he comes back. Will I find faith? It is always the human um, nature. It's always human nature to always resort or reset back into factory defaults. And for Christians, it's always their nature to reset back to the worldly default of flesh and works. That is what we normally reset back to. And so when Jesus says, when I come, meaning when we have our homecoming or our home going, and we meet Jesus Christ in the clouds, and we are wowed by his glory, will Jesus Christ be wowed by our faith? Whilst he is here on earth, there are only two things that, that made Jesus Christ marvel. Two things that made Jesus Christ marvel. 
Usually when people would meet Jesus Christ, they marveled at the, the signs and wonders and miracles that he did and the teachings that he taught. But Jesus only marveled at two things, unbelief. Mark 6 verse 6 says the following, He marveled at the unbelief of those in Nazareth and could only do minor miracles. He could only heal people with coughs. That's all Jesus could do. No wonder these days there are not too many miracles happening or too many signs happening because of unbelief. He marveled, number two, at faith. In Luke 7, he marvels at the faith of a centurion. We're going to look at Luke 7 today. We're going to base our, the teaching on, on Luke 7 as I deconstruct it, and, make, uh, and it's going to be the base of, of the major thing that we're going to teach on. I will ask you, because uh, the, word in, the words might be too small for, for those who are far away, if you do have your Bible, turn, turn there. Uh, if you do not have the Bible, we, we're going to track together as we read in, uh, on Luke, Luke 7, verse 3 to 9. Luke 7, verse 3 to 9 says the following. When the centurion heard about Jesus. Now, ladies and gentlemen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. If you want to live and walk by faith, you need to hear about Jesus Christ. And that is how faith comes. You, are, you need to immerse yourself into the Word of God so that you start walking in faith. You cannot start walking in faith if you do not hear about Jesus Christ. It is for, so important that you immerse yourself and meditate on the Word of God day and night so that you begin to work, so that you begin to walk in faith. Are we together? It says, when the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews. These are the elders of the synagogue, asking him to come and heal his servant. So this centurion is asking the elders of the synagogue, please, because he's not a Jew, he's asking them, please go to Jesus Christ, a Jew, and ask him if he can heal my servant. Previously, in verse 2, it talks about how valuable, how valuable the servant was to the, to, the, to the centurion. But what's interesting about the faith of the centurion is that he, his faith is, is projected or, or, or is used for another person rather than himself. Though it's still his property because back in the day, servants were their property. And so his faith is towards another person. His faith is not in getting the latest uh, Ferrari ch chariot. It is not getting the latest uh, uh, Gucci or Versace robe. It is not getting the latest sword, but it is projected to a person. And ladies and gentlemen, though that's his property, your body is your property. You have stewardship over your property, your body. You have stewardship over your children. And therefore, your faith should be in those areas. Have faith in the things and, and believe God that God can turn around certain things in what you have stewardship over. Continues in, it continues in, uh, in, in verse 4. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded to them, earnestly saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him. I would like you to take uh, notice of this. Take note of this and see this. They come to Jesus emphasizing what 
the centurion has done. They come to Jesus with a request for help based on what the centurion has done. Because that's what religion does. You approach God on the basis of what you have done. Religion only benefits those that do. Those who wear Nike are the only ones that benefit in religion. If you, if you, if you didn't catch that, ask your neighbor, what, what is he talking about? And they'll help you. Continues. For he loves our nation. Sorry, back. For he loves our nation and he is the one who built us our synagogue. So the mindset of a legalist or somebody who is religious is that it's a barter trade. I give you this, you give me that. It's a vending machine. I put this in and I get that. That is the mindset of all those who are legalistic and it is not of faith. All those who are legalistic will say, Lord, I have done A, B, C, D for you. Therefore, do X, Y, Z for me. That is how they approach God. And we have done that with faith. We have mixed faith with works. We have brought in works and mixed it with, uh, in, in faith. But, but, but Clive, uh, doesn't the word of God say faith without works is dead? Yes, it does. It does, it does say that. But what it does not say is works without faith is dead. What do I mean by that? It depends on which foot you put first. Are you putting the foot of faith first in front? Or are you putting the foot of works first and then faith is following? Are you going to God and saying, I've given, therefore do, my faith is that you would do A, B, C, D for me. I have served, therefore my faith is that you would do A, B, C, D for me. Or are you saying... I am believing for A, B, C, D for me, for, from you, God. Therefore, Lord God, I am doing this because I just love you. Not based on you would do it for me. When Peter was on the boat and Jesus was walking on water, Peter, Peter says, bid me, Lord, to come. Whenever I read that story, um, first and foremost, Peter must have been white. Because only a white person can see a ghost because they thought, hey, that's a ghost. Only a white person can see a ghost and talk to it and say, hey, uh, can, can, can you bid me to come? All the black people will be right at the back and, and running away. So he must have been white. But the other imagery I have is that what if the disciples were playing a prank on Peter and they say, come. And he whoop, down. But Peter, Jesus says, come. And Peter's faith is very practical. He acts on the word come. And therefore, his faith. The first thing that Peter puts up front is, Lord, bid me to come. His faith. And God, Jesus says, come. And Peter steps out of the boat. He's now, his works are now acting. And he steps out of the boat. Therefore, we see faith with works working together. But he does not put his works first and then put his faith following. Are we together? Peter, uh, Paul says the following. He says, oh, you foolish Galatians, 
who has bewitched you. In Galatians 3 verse 1. Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Eyes the Spirit and do works of, uh, uh, works of miracles, miracle works among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or does he do it by the hearing with faith? So that's a question. The person who is supplying the Spirit and doing miracles, signs, and wonders, are they doing it by works or are they doing it by the hearing with faith? And the answer is, they're doing it by the hearing of faith. Because simply, ladies and gentlemen, the law or the works of the law are not of faith. In Romans 4, verse 4 to 5, says the following. Next, uh, the next slide. Romans 4, the, verse 4 to 5. It says, now to the one who works, his wages are not counted. Turn to your neighbor and say, your works are not counted. As a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted. Turn to your neighbor and say, your faith is counted. Your faith is counted as righteousness. Before God, your works are not counted, but your faith is counted. It is an accounting term there that has been used. God regards, regards your faith and does not regard your works. Because your works are regarded as a wage or a due, and your faith is regarded as a gift. Are we together? And so, continue, and I want you to keep that. He went to them, and he was not far from the house, and the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Notice, the centurion approaches Jesus Christ not based on works. He disregards his works. He disqualifies his works and says, I am not worthy. I am only coming towards you, Lord Jesus, only as a nothing, and I'm coming to you, and you are not even, I'm not worthy for you to even step into my house. He depends on Jesus' grace. And that word grace, I learned it from a long, time, a long time ago, and I've always kept it. It's an acronym. That's what grace means. God's riches at Christ's expense. And so, so the, the, the centurion is saying, I am not worthy of you to come into my house, and all the works I have done count for nothing. They do not count for anything because the gifts of God are by faith and not by works. Paul says the following about works in Philippians. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Paul is literally saying, I am the goat of doing things in the flesh and doing things in works. Another acronym, the greatest of all time. Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake... I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. What are your works? They are rubbish. 
count them as rubbish. I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Verse 9. And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. A righteousness that depends on faith. Faith is very important. In Luke, Luke's, uh, that's seven now, Luke 7, 7. Continuing, it says, Therefore I did not presume for, uh, to come to you, but say the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, say the word. And let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to, to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not in Israel have I found such faith. The title of my message today is called Such Faith. In other versions, other translations, it says, this is the greatest faith or such great faith. In Jesus' own words, he's saying, such faith is very, very rare. He says, I have not found such faith, implying that he is one looking or seeking for, for this very thing or, 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 or this faith. He is looking for it. Whenever you look for something, you are looking for something very important, like your keys or your wallet if you have misplaced it. You are looking for something very valuable, like what the Makorokosas do. The miners, they go underground looking for gold that is very valuable. You are looking for something rare, like looking for something between 5 and 10 o'clock, called Zesa. It's very rare. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was really not going to laugh. You're looking for something very rare. 1 Peter 1 verse 7 says the following. Your faith is more precious than gold. Your faith is more precious than gold. Your faith is a rare commodity. It is a commodity that attracts God. It, uh, it draws God closer to you. It even makes God stop in the middle of doing something. In, a, in the midst of a crowd. There's a song we sing in a crowd of 10,000. In the midst of a crowd of 10,000, your faith will touch God and will make him stop. And will, he will turn around and say, who touched me? In other words, your faith, ladies and gentlemen, it touches God and God responds. The unique thing about this man's faith, the centurion's faith, was that it did not depend on the physical uh, presence of Jesus Christ. But it depended on his word. Let me repeat that again. The centurion's faith did not depend on the physical presence of Jesus Christ. But it depended on his word. Most of us, when we have faith, we are like Lord Jesus, touch me. And we want 
goosebumps in our bodies. We want electricity to go through our bodies to say, yeah, God touched me, therefore I am healed. God touched me, therefore I have that job. God touched me, therefore my situation is, is sorted out. But this centurion simply believed the word of God. That's all he believed. Nothing else. The word of God says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The amazing thing about the centurion's faith was that he depended on the word of God, period, nothing else. And his understanding of faith was based on his understanding of authority, what authority is. Now, authority is the power, is the power or right to make a decision. It is the ability for you or the right to, for, you, uh, for an individual to enforce a thing. That is what authority is. Now, when we talk of authority, there's usually a common illustration that people use. You do not stop at a roadblock because uh, you are scared of that cone as you approach it, that when you come at the roadblock and you're driving, you will bump into that cone. And as you bump into that cone, there will be a ripple effect and it will be such an impact that it will trigger your, your, your vehicle's uh, airbags. And as it triggers your vehicle's airbags, the airbags are going to hit you and break your ribs. And then because of that impact, because of uh, you hitting the, the, the cone, you will have serious whiplash. You don't stop because of that. Neither do you stop. Because of that, that scrawny man with a tattered uniform, you think he, he has magneto-level powers to stop anything metallic and stop it at his, at just at the wave of his hand as he just does this and then tells you to stop. You think it's his powers to, to stop you. No, he doesn't have, actually you could run him over. The reason why you stop, if you really think about it, is because he has authority. And that cone has got authority, whether you think about it or not. And that authority is the full force of the state behind him. Literally what the centurion is saying is, Jesus Christ, you have the full force of the kingdom of God behind you. Therefore, whatever you say, it will be done. You don't have to even lift up your hand and do it, Jesus. But just by you speaking it, it will be done. Now, ladies and gentlemen, just like that, that scrawny-looking individual in the middle of the road, if we had to take away his uniform, maybe the wind would blow him away if we had to take him out, uh, away his uniform. You and I are exactly like that scrawny-looking individual. When we take away Christ from you and you stand all alone, you are a nobody. But, but, but because Jesus Christ is inside of you, he resides inside of you, and he has all authority in heaven and earth and underneath the earth. Therefore, he says, therefore, go. Therefore, do. So you and I have been mandated by God to go and do things. To go and exercise the authority he has given us. And the way you exercise that authority is by releasing your faith. Are we together? 
In Mark 11, verse 22 to 23. Mark 11, verse 22 to 23 says, And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, And does not doubt in his heart, But believes that what he says will come to pass, It will be done for him. Such faith, such great faith, number one, is a God kind of faith. Such great faith is a God kind of faith. What's a God kind of faith? A God kind of faith is a faith that speaks. Contrary to popular saying, seeing is believing. Ladies and gentlemen, in the kingdom of God, believing is speaking. That's what believing is. Believing is speaking, it's not seeing. And the word of God says in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 13, I believe, therefore I spoke, therefore I have spoken. So you, when you speak, we can tell what you believe. So therefore I have spoken, I have believed, therefore I have spoken. And in Genesis 1, the God kind of faith, in Genesis 1, we see it in Genesis 1, God kind of faith, God is, is uh, met up with a mountain-sized challenge. Of, a, of an entity without form. It's void. It's darkness. It's filled up with darkness and there's emptiness. That's the world. And God says, challenge accepted. And when he says, challenge accepted, he releases his voice and says, and listen, the, the, before I, I, I say he releases his voice, the Bible literally say, the spirit of God was hovering. So the spirit of God was waiting for something to be said. So he releases his voice and says, let there be light. And the Bible says, and there was light, full stop. You see, no matter what you go through in life, the chapters of, of your life, the, the, the paragraphs of your life, your, the sentences of your life, never stick to the commas in life. Because, ladies and gentlemen, faith has a full stop. There is a point where faith is. And that point, ladies and gentlemen, is not next year. It is not tomorrow. It is not in the future. That's not how faith works. The Bible says now faith is. Faith is now. It is at this moment. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That is what faith is. Abraham Though he was called the father of many nations, for 25 years he lived like a father of many nations because he changed his name from Abram to Abraham, meaning that he was the father of many nations and he acted like the father of many nations. Faith is at this very moment. That's what faith is. The problem with most of us is this. It's we, um, we normally talk to God about our problems. Most of us normally talk to God about our problems. But we have it all wrong. We ought to be talking to our problems about our God. Jesus tells us how to deal with our problems, our mountain-sized problems. He says, speak to that problem. 
Speak to that mountain. Speak to that challenge. And when you speak to that challenge, you do not come like how the Shauna's do it. They come to your house and they sit in your house and they talk about general things before they talk about the big matter. And as they're about to talk about the big matter, you just hear, Pam Soroi. When the devilers want to deal with the problem, Ukolo. And when the English want to, do the, uh, want to deal with the problem, please, please, they ask their mountain, please move to the sea. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus says, command and instruct your situation to jump into the sea. Because you have authority. You don't ask. You tell it. Because of what's behind you. Who is backing you up? Number two. No doubt. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. If there is doubt in your heart, we will hear it in your speech. If there is belief in your heart, we will hear it in your speech. We will we'll see it in your actions. We will hear it when you talk about it. We will always hear what is full in your heart. And God and Jesus, uh, and, uh, Jesus says, and does not doubt. I have been in situations where people, um, when you have just prayed for somebody, uh, I want a job. Yes, uh, okay, let me pray for you. I believe uh, you, you do have a job, and, and uh, thank God you have a job. And after you have prayed for, uh, you are now talking to that inv- individual, and they say, do you really think I'll get a job in this, in this country? You have just nullified your faith. You have just weakened your faith. That's what you have literally done. And this normally happens when we pray for the nation. Get people to pray for the nation. Ah, they're going for it. After the service, ah, I don't think this, things will ever change in this nation. You have just canceled it. Ah, you have just canceled it. And you wonder, why aren't things ha- changing in this nation? I pray for it. I, I, I fast for it. I have done so many things. Because what you're speaking when Jesus Christ was, um, was, was going to, to, to uh, he had been called to heal a young, a young girl. And as he was going to this young girl, some, some person with great faith decided to touch him and he stopped. And that split second of him stopping, that girl died. You all know the story. The girl dies. And because the girl dies, because Jesus Christ was stopped by great faith, he, he, the people come and say, Master, don't worry. Don't come because she's dead. And Jesus turns to the person he's walking with, the father of the, of the girl, and says, only believe. Those are great words. Only believe. He does not look at the, uh, at the fact. He does not uh, consider what has just happened. He just says, only believe. When he gets to the house, look at how Jesus thinks. Jesus' thoughts are, she's not dead, but she is Sleeping. He flips how we speak, how he's the way the world speaks. He says she is sleeping. Ladies and gentlemen, Zimbabwe is in a transition. <laughs> you, you, you can, it depends on how you see things. It's all up to you. That's what faith does. It changes its language to suit what God is already saying about the situation. I diverted there for a moment. 
And so, in Romans 4, verse 19, Abraham says, talking about how you ought to deal with your faith, I mean your, your doubts. He says, he did not weaken, this is Abraham, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Do no, uh, sorry, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew stronger in his faith as he gave glory to God fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Abraham did not waver in his faith. He grew stronger. When doubt only comes when you look around, when you look at the facts and you say, you tell yourself, hey, this is what it is. Just like Peter, he looked around and saw the waves and he began to sink. Ladies and gentlemen, keep your eyes on Jesus' faith, and you will not sink. Amen. Number three, believe what you say. Believing is all about having confidence in something or someone. It is being assured or being persuaded or, being, uh, or, or acknowledging it as a fact. That is what believing is. The Word of God does not say believe in your own ability to do the thing you have said. It doesn't say that. Actually, the scripture says that if you believe what you have said, it shall be done for you. You are not doing it. It is being done for you. As a church right now, we are in the midst of, of, uh, of uh, property and land. And no one here has got that amount of money, I would assume. Or that amount of money to give at the moment. But because you have faith and because we have faith, somehow, someway, that money is starting to irritate some other money in people's pockets and bank accounts and saying, I need to go to King City. I just need to get there. It is starting to jump up and down and saying, uh-uh, I'm not supposed to be here. I need to get that side. Whether that money is Africa or wherever, that money is starting to say, no, there is faith that's drawing me. It, I'm, I'm, I'm attracted to this thing called faith. I need to get to that place. It's not up to you to do it's not up to you. It will be done for you. That's what the word of God. And the reason why it's done for you is because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. In Galatians 2 verse 20, it says the following. It says, I, it is no longer I that lives by Christ that lives in me. For the life that I live in the flesh, I live it in faith by Jesus. So the life I'm currently living right now in the flesh, I'm living it by faith in the Son of God. Philemon 6 says the following. It says, let your, the communication of your faith, let the speaking of your faith or the sharing of your faith be effective by you acknowledging all the good things that God has done inside of you. So your faith is only 
as good as how you acknowledge what Jesus Christ has done inside of you. My last point. Whoever. This is the most difficult. This is whoever. The most difficult thing to explain. Therefore, you are going to help me explain it. By turning to your neighbor and ask, are you a whoever? And wait for the response to find out whether they are the whoever. And if they say they are the whoever, just wait for the response. Are they responding that they are the whoever's? If they are a whoever, tell them welcome to the, welcome to the Hebrews Living Club. A club, ladies and gentlemen, a club for conquered kingdoms. People enforced justice. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. A club where people quenched the power of fire, where they escaped the edge of the sword, where they made strong, where they were made strong out of weakness. A club where people became mighty in war. A club where people were put to put foreign armies in flight. A club where women received back they're dead by resurrection. That's the club you have joined. There may be persecutions and troubles and tribulations that you may face, but you are part of that club. A club that changes the world upside down through your faith. That's the club you have joined. And as, we, as you sit there right now, I know all of us in life, go through challenges and trials and tribulations and, and things that, that, that we, we regard as mountains. One person said, if, if I had to give you my problem, if we had to swap problems, within a second, I'll be asking for my problems back. So there are certain problems that you are going through. And so they are mountain-sized in your view, in your, in your head. But you have been sitting there far too long, quiet, and not realizing that inside of you is the Lion of Judah that wants to roar. A Lion of Judah that wants to turn things around in your circumstance, ladies and gentlemen. If you are finding and going through mountain-sized situations, speak to them. Speak to them. That is what God has called you. And you do not want to get to heaven and just say, my faith was only for a piece of bread. That's all. And then somebody else says, hey, my faith changed the whole nation. That's what my faith did. What are you using it for? What are you using that for? Ladies and gentlemen, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the first step of walking in faith is receiving and Savior. And there is no other way that what I'm talking about will work for you as long as you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is very important to know him as your Lord and Savior. And if you are here today and you have never received him, this is such a perfect opportunity for you to begin this journey by starting it by believing Jesus Christ 
the word of God says that all of us have, been, have received a measure of faith. So all, everyone here has a measure of faith. And you right now, if you've never received Jesus Christ and, as your Lord and Savior, you have a measure of faith to believe that he is the Lord and Savior in your life. So if you're here today with, the, with, the, with everyone, um, all your heads bowed and people following me uh, as I pray, we will pray the following prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, please repeat after me. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And I realize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And at this very moment, I realize that you died for me on the cross, of, uh, cross at Calvary. And you were resurrected for my righteousness. Therefore, Lord Jesus, I and I thank you for all that you have done for me. Right now, Lord God, I thank you that I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen.